As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hey everyone, welcome in to another episode of the Sleeping With The Numbers podcast. Pat and Dylan here for the week six recap. Only two games left to be played. Sunday night football, Steelers against Seattle. And then Monday night football, Buffalo against Tennessee. So only two games left. We're going to recap what has happened so far this week. But first, we, with you know six weeks about gone, uh, there's only one winless team right now, and that is the wonderful Detroit Lions. So given that, they would have the first round pick in the 2022 draft. So, Pat, who do you think they would end up taking given they stay uh, in that position? Well, I guess let's first ask that. Do you think they finish last into the standings this year? I think it's going to be a competition between themselves and Jacksonville. Um, but in reality, if even if Jacksonville finishes dead last and Detroit's next to last, I don't think it's a huge deal because Jacksonville already got Trevor Lawrence. So if Detroit would want a quarterback, then it really shouldn't matter if they finish first or second to last. Yeah, that's a good point. I really wouldn't think uh, Jacksonville would take another quarterback, but you know, Urban Meyer's done stupid things before, given he's still there. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think Detroit stays at the top here. And then kind of the question becomes, do they take a quarterback? You know, they traded for uh, Jared Goff, if you want to say that. They more traded away Matt Stafford than they traded for Jared Goff. But he's going to be there. And I want to pull up uh, Jared Goff's contract real quick, because I do not know how many years he has left. I feel like it is quite a bit. Um, and for quite a bit of money. So as we know, with the Jimmy Garoppolo situation, it's very hard to one, get rid of someone with such an expensive uh, contract. Uh, and it's even harder to cut them because you still have to pay them most likely given they have guaranteed money. So pulling up his contract here, he was traded to the Lions 2021. So that's the season we're currently on. So the Lions have a potential out in 2023 with Jared Goff's contract if they don't want to continue with him. However, next year, he is going to be paid a base salary of $10.65 million with a total cap hit of $31.15 million. So that is almost impossible to get rid of. And if we look at it here, if he gets cut uh, before, you know, the official calendar day, calendar day of when the season starts, which is uh, June 1st, they have a dead cap of thirty point five million dollars. In other words, they're not cutting him pre that date. So I, Pat, based on that, it looks like Goss here to stay. So if he's there to stay, would you expect them to take a quarterback with that number one pick? I'm going to say no, I wouldn't do that. Um, especially, you know, I haven't really done my homework on this year's draft class, but it doesn't seem like there's really any quarterbacks that are outstanding. Right. And I think that we've seen in years past when people rush to get the quarterback because it's their year to take a quarterback, it doesn't always pan out well. Um, I mean, do you remember when Jake Locker was a top 10 pick? Like there's a lot of guys like that who come into the league and they're okay, but like, it doesn't really change the franchise. Like Tennessee was saved by over 30 year old Ryan Tannehill who didn't actually pan out in Miami. And he was a very similar situation. So to me, 
I wouldn't do that if I was Detroit. I would do the Miami strategy and just start accumulating picks and hope that there's one year where you just have a stud, you know, lineup with a bunch of fourth year guys and you're paying them nothing. And at that point, you could have gotten rid of Jared Goff because, like you said, he has an out in 2023. And hopefully you get a quarterback at that point or, you know, maybe you keep him at a different salary because in reality, he's not horrible. Yeah, Goff. I, you, you said it before the show. You don't think he's a problem, and, and I tend to agree. I think their offense is actually not terrible. Their running backs are great. Their line isn't the worst. Goff has looked uh, okay. They need some help at wide receiver, and then I think most of all, uh, on their defense. So if they have that number one pick, there seems to be a lot of hype and projections that the number one pick, if it is Detroit, will be cave on. And I really hope I'm pronouncing that correct, because that is really, really difficult to say. But he's a, a edge linebacker from Oregon, and he's six foot five, 250 pounds. So a big dude that would cause some pressure uh, on the opposing teams and hopefully, you know, make their defense something formidable, something scary to play against, because right now, uh, a lot of the times when I see a player against Detroit, I try to put them in my DFS lineups because it, it's always an easy way to score. So jumping into the matchups, we're going to, of course, start with uh, Thursday night's game, uh, Philadelphia against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay ends up winning this matchup 28 to 22. That is a lot closer than a lot of people expecting it to be. Uh, including our machine learning model, took Tampa Bay minus seven, and it also took the over uh, 52 and a half, and that did not happen. Only 50 points were scored, so it was very close there. Um, Overall, the main storyline of that game to me was Leonard Fournette and Antonio Brown, Uh, two players that didn't start in Tampa Bay, but they might end there. Both of them look great. Uh, Ronald Jones is still hated by Bruce Arians and he doesn't get to touch the ball anymore. But on on the Philadelphia side of the ball, Pat, what what do you see? Are they competitive at all? Jalen Hurts is the only one that did anything fantasy relevant. But reading off his stats here, 12 for 26, 115 passing yards, one touchdown, one interceptions. But he was their whole team. He scored two touchdowns himself. Yeah, I think that this is what we kind of expected. You know, they took Devonta Smith with their first pick. And outside of him, they don't really have any other weapons. I mean, I, I think Miles Sanders is good, but I'm not really sure anymore because he doesn't run the football. And that's not his fault. Um, I think he's going to be gone from Philadelphia. And like yeah. we kind of talked about this before we started recording, Jalen Hurts might be gone as well because for whatever yeah. reason, they hate him. And that's fine. The Steelers need a quarterback. Um, if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, Jalen Hurts is a good backup. So to me, I, I think that, the problem with Philadelphia is just the system itself is not designed for this to work at all. Like you have a pretty solid running back that you don't run the ball with and you have no wide receivers, but you have a quarterback who can scramble. So it, I just think it's destined to fail. And I think that it'll blow up within the next few seasons. So I, I'm surprised that they were that close to Tampa, but I think the reason is because Leonard Fournette's starting to come back to life. And I think that they're finally letting him run the ball. He had 22 carries, which is pretty good for him because the first few weeks he didn't really do anything either. He had Miles Sanders syndrome, but past two weeks he's been pretty fantasy relevant. And I think that overall the Buccaneers are not going to be as high scoring in these games, but they'll be able to manage the clock a little bit better. Yeah. And 
22 rush attempts for Leonard Fournette is more than the entire Philadelphia team. Uh, there were 19 total rush attempts. Ten of them came from Jalen Hurts. He was their top rusher. It It's a really confusing system they have going in Philadelphia. I don't understand it. It seems like the fans don't understand it because uh, they pointed out whenever Miles Sanders actually ran the ball, fans were cheering. You know, they were hyped that they were actually running the ball. And that's just such a weird thing to see. Uh, and also, he marched them down the field uh, at the in the final moments of that game, and they ended up still losing. So, anyways, the model took Tampa Bay to win. That happened. Took Tampa Bay to cover. That did not happen. Over fifty-two. We, as we stated, that also didn't happen. It was at a fifty-point total. So, for our second European game of the season. They go to Pat. You'll know this better than me. Is what? What's the name of Tottenham Stadium? It is Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's not very. Uh, they haven't gotten naming okay. rights yet. Okay, they're they're not very creative. That works. Okay, I, I should have at least known that one. Um, but anyways, they go there to play this football game, and I, I'm glad I I called this one out last week. But Jacksonville gets their first win. Uh, just bare. I don't think. I'm pretty sure they didn't go to overtime. They won it with in the final seconds. Uh, I believe there was like four seconds left. They kicked a field goal. Uh, Trevor Lawrence gets his first win. Urban Myers, I, I guess we can attribute him a win, but overall, not a terrible game. You know, Tua came back first game back from uh, the injury. He looked pretty solid. They passed a lot, which is a worry for people who own Miles Gaskin because he came back down to earth. Uh, Pat, if you had to take a guess how many yards Miles Gaskin got, if you're not looking already, I'm not. And I'm going to say under 20. You're correct. He got nine rush yards, but he did get six targets, which is nice, but he only caught two of them for five yards. So it was really the Tua and Waddle show, which which is nice to see. You know, they they draft Jalen Waddle this year and he, he he's ending up uh, a pretty good weapon for Miami here. But Tua came back 34 for 48, 355 passing yards. Both of these quarterbacks passed for over 300, only two touchdowns, one interception, and then rushed three times for 22 yards. On the other side of the ball, the so-called quarterback of the future, Trevor Lawrence, uh, also passed for over 300 yards, but did it on <laughs> quite a few less uh, pass completions. So he went 25 for 42. Uh, it was Marvin Jones that kind of uh, bailed him out there. Uh, Marvin Jones gets seven receptions, 100 yards, and a touchdown. LaVisca Chenault gets six receptions for 54 yards. And then Jamal Agnew coming out of nowhere for five receptions and 78 yards. So uh, hot streak now for the Jaguars. Do they keep this going, Pat? I'm going to say no. Um, to me, this was like one of those fun games that you watch uh, whenever the college football bowl season starts. It's like the BBVA Compass Bowl. It's like a MAC team versus, you know, an AAC yeah. team. You just kind of watch it because it was on TV and it was because earlier than every other game. Um, but I think in reality, we know what we saw. Um, Jaguars are going to lose to the Seahawks, to the Bills, to the Colts, to the 49ers, probably the Falcons, Rams, Titans. They might beat the Texans oh, no. and Jets. So you got about six or seven games before they have another chance to get that second win. Um, other than that, I, I think it's it's fun that, you know, Matt Wright came out um, as a free agent, basically, and he had some pretty wonky kicks. But 
<laughs> I mean, it was good for TV, but this is this is the end for Jacksonville. Let the losing streak continue. Hey, they can't lose next week on that bye. So luckily for them, they can enjoy this one for two weeks. That is true. I did not count that. So uh, model had Jacksonville to win, hit that. Jacksonville to cover, of course, because they were the underdogs, also hit that. And then it went for over 47, but only 43 points were scored here. Um, like you said, Pat, just kind of a fun game to watch, mostly because there's not any other games on. Is it? There we go. Okay. Another matchup, one that the model went three for three on, and it ended up as a blowout. The team that we just talked about in the early segment of the show, the Detroit Lions, get beat by the Cincinnati Bengals 34 to 11. So, you know, we talked about division winners last week, and we both kind of expect Baltimore to come out on top of this division. But Cincinnati is hanging in there, and they did a better job against Detroit than Baltimore did. So I think... Cincinnati plays Baltimore next week, if I'm not mistaken. I am not. So who, looking into the future here, Pat, who is winning that matchup? I don't know, because, you know, we'll get to that Baltimore game where we kind of thought that the Chargers were going to be more competitive and Baltimore wiped the floor with them. So I'm not really sure what's going on. It seems like the AFC North and the NFC West are going to be two divisions where a team can get hot very quick and anybody yeah. can win, but there's not going to be any type of domination. Um, if it's me though, I, for some weird reason, I feel like the Bengals have been disrespected this entire season and they're angry about it. And they're going to be the ones that come and, you know, be the spoiler, especially if Kareem hunts out for a prolonged period of time. You know, I know he got taken off the field. I don't really know what's wrong with him, but yeah, Browns, I mean, are kind of falling apart right now. And the Ravens, you know, they had a good, really good win over the Chargers, but they have not looked good in a lot of their wins. So it, to me, it's a coin toss, but I think I'm gonna take Cincinnati based off superstition and nothing more than that. Yeah, that, that that's a fair point. Baltimore has had all of their games really close against really poor teams, but then they come out against a really good team that you and I both think in the Chargers, and they end up beating them into the dirt, much like Cincinnati did to the Lions here. So they end up winning 34 to 11. Um, model had the under 47 that hit Cincinnati to win that hit Cincinnati to cover minus three and a half that also hit. So Joe, Joe Burrow coming here, showing what he can do, what he was supposed to do last year before the injury um, ends up going 19 for 29, 271 yards, three passing touchdowns. Um, I don't remember why Brandon Allen came into this matchup, but he has a pass attempt here. I don't remember what that was for, but the running backs, Joe Mixon and Chris Evans. Yes, Chris Evans, Captain America, um, end up with two very good games. Each of them with a touchdown. Mixon, we were worried about coming into this game, thinking he was going to be hurt, uh, but he got that full workload and he seems to be just fine. And then, of course, the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase connection continues. Uh, Jamar Chase, four receptions for 97 yards. Uh, that's just going to continue all season. Then on the other side of the ball here, Pat, we talked about the run game of Detroit, and we think it's pretty good. It was all DeAndre Swift this week. Um, only 24 rush yards and a touchdown, five receptions for 43 yards. And then Jamal Williams didn't do really anything here. Uh, four attempts for 11 yards and then one reception for negative two yards. Um, TJ Hawkinson seemed to be fine. 
there was worry about him coming into this game injured, but all seems okay, at least injury-wise, on the Detroit side of the ball. Our next matchup, Kansas City and Washington. This was projected to be the highest scoring game of the week, and it was not. Uh, Kansas City ended up being the only one really able to score here. They win the matchup 31-13, to and I honestly have some trouble figuring Kansas City out because the first like quarter or two, they didn't look like they were all there. So is a lot of the favoritism towards Kansas City in terms of like the odds being always them being heavy favorites, is that kind of um, overweighted? And and should we be kind of expecting less from Kansas City in the long term? Yeah, I think that people still have like, you know, Super Bowl hangover with them. And I think part of the issue is when you really boil down the offense outside of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, who else does Patrick Mahomes have to throw the ball to? They don't have a competent running back. Like you can say Daryl Williams or Jerry McKinnon or CEH when he's playing. But in reality, Kansas City's offense isn't that great. Like you're banking off of Patrick Mahomes to be the guy. And I think what we're seeing is a repeat of what Josh Allen went through before the Bills start got Stephon Diggs. Like you have a really good quarterback there who's forced to do a lot of work because he st- he threw for 47 times. Now, if you win 31 to 13, and I tell you that you throw for 47 times, I'm thinking to myself, okay, it was it was closer than what it should have been, and it was because he threw some really bad picks. But I think that yeah. Kansas City's trying to force Mahomes to do too much, and I don't think that's fair to him, and I don't think that they're allowing for him to play at a comfortable pace. So I think that that's really concerning to me. Um, And I don't think that they should be the favorites because you can't assume that someone's going to win a game just because you have one star player at quarterback. If that was the case, then I don't know. I mean, Aaron Rodgers would win every game. You know, Matt Stafford would win every game. Like it doesn't really make any sense why for some reason the, the chiefs are everyone, like everyone fanboys over the chiefs. Yeah. And I'm checking out the, the Super Bowl odds right now. Tampa Bay, Currently still the favorite at plus 500. Bills have passed the Chiefs now. Uh, Bills at plus 550 and Chiefs at plus 750. You know, and I think there's a couple teams I would hurt. So, all right, I'll, I'll name some teams and you tell me if you would take them over the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Uh, Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. Arizona Cardinals. For sure. Green Bay Packers. Maybe. Uh, who else we got here? Uh, L.A. Chargers. I would say it's close. And then one more Baltimore Ravens. Yes. I would have said the Chargers, yes, and the Ravens, maybe. But after this most recent game, I'm kind of (laughs) questioning that. So, yeah, I I would put I would definitely put the Rams over the Chiefs and the Packers over the Chiefs. Cardinals are are very close. I just think um, I think the Chiefs might have an easier path to get there because I don't think their division is as good as the Cardinals is. I think it's a bit more competitive in the uh, Cardinals division. Um, But yeah, it is interesting because really all that means is people are still betting on the Chiefs um, to win it all. And then, like you said, Pat, Mahomes threw a ton in this game, which allows him to be a really good fantasy team. But for real football, it didn't look like they were all there today. Now you can look at the box score and be like, Oh, it was a blowout. 
it did not feel that way when we watched the game. So Mahomes ends up with about 25 fantasy points. Daryl Williams did great. Uh, 23.9 fantasy points. Tyreek Hill, he uh, was trending almost not to play this game, but ends up in here for 25 and a half. And then Kelsey was 17.9. And then the next one behind him, like you said, it's kind of like a carousel of who the next guy up is at the wide receiver position. And uh, this week it was Demarcus Robinson. And everyone's like, oh, well, if Tyree kills out, it's going to be me. Hardman the whole way. It was not. And maybe that was because me fumbled and they didn't want to go to him anymore. But it it uh, behind Kelsey and Hill. It's very difficult to predict that team. And this is my last comment about Mahomes. Do you think that he's starting to evolve into a more mobile version of Ben when he was younger? Like that play where he was getting sacked and he just decided to chuck the ball. I had flashbacks from 2004 to about 2019 when Ben wasn't fat. <laughs> yeah, that that's fair because there was a, I think it was a second interception I saw where he threw the ball and I'm like, just take the sack. And he threw the ball and Ben would always do that. He would, yeah. Ben first off would always refuse to go down. Um, but he would always chuck the ball out last second, which is what Mahomes did. And the ball went flying, you know, 20 feet in the air and a lineman caught it. And I'm like, okay, why are you doing that? But no, that I think that's a, a solid comp to early years of, of Ben. Washington side of the ball, Taylor Heineke didn't do dick. He passed 24 for 39, 182 yards, one touchdown, one interception. It was really two players here. J.D. McKissick ends up with 45 rush yards and then eight receptions. That's ridiculous. I think that's the most receptions for the team. Yes, it is. Eight receptions to J.D. McKissick for 65 yards. And then Ricky, the Seals, Jones gets 58 yards and a touchdown. So good for him. Terry McLaurin really didn't show up here. This was just a rough game overall for Washington. And, you know, coming into the season, Pat, I was a little bit higher on Washington. Do you, was it the Fitzpatrick injury that just flipped them on their head or or was there going to be worry even with him here? I'm not really sure. Um, I think that what we're seeing from Washington is just inconsistency on offense. And I don't necessarily think it's all Taylor Haneke's fault, but I think that they have the same issue that we just discussed with Kansas city. Like they don't necessarily have targets outside of Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. I mean, we can talk about Curtis Samuel, but I don't, I'm pretty sure he still didn't play. So like if, if he's not available, like, do we know anything about Antonio Gold, Gandy Golden? Like, I remember that Matthew Barry was obsessed with him, but that's great. He's the third receiver in the depth chart. And if you can tell me if he had a catch today, I would be shocked because I have no idea if he even played. Um, he Cam Sims, not. I'm sure he was sort of like the random deep threat guy that people would pick in like deeper fantasy leagues. He was out today. Deami Brown, not really sure. And Dax Milne, not really sure either. Adam Humphreys, washed up Tennessee Titan possession receiver. Cole Beasley Jr. Um, I mean, I don't really know what they expect Taylor Heineke to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and it kind and of going to be those offensive out today. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but Brandon oh, Scherf good. and you, Sam Cosme were both out. So, yeah, it it's, uh, I don't know. Cause it, it kind of seems like the hype was too much there. I, I do think the passing offense obviously would have been better with, um, with Fitzpatrick there, but, you you bring it up. There's just not really a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. 
Next matchup here, another one that came down to the wire. Oop, I didn't read the picks here. So uh, machine learning model picked Kansas City to win. That happened. It did pick Washington plus seven. That did not. And over 55 and only 44 points were scored. This next matchup also kind of came down to the wire. Minnesota took on the Carolina Panthers. The uh, Vikings at the start were minus two and a half point favorites. They end up covering winning and then they hit the over 45 and a half, which means the model went over three, did not hit a single one of those. Uh, but fantasy wise, the Vikings seem like the team to beat. Uh, the, the, everyone on here did incredible. Uh, Kirk Cousins went 34 for 49, 375 yards. Three passing touchdowns, no interceptions, so he got 28.6 points. I don't know how many how many people started him, but he had a fantastic game. And then uh, the king is back, Dalvin Cook, 30 rush attempts. So he is threatening that Derrick Henry rush attempt count. So 148 rush yards there, one touchdown, only two receptions for three yards, but doesn't matter at all. He seems to be back. He seems to be healthy. And then these. Are you looking at the box score here, Pat? Yeah, I remember us having a conversation about Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen, who's the number one receiver. It looks like they both are. Yeah, I did. I was going to ask you, Okay, put these guys in order in how they finish. But Thielen ends up 11 catches, 126 yards and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson. The bottom here with KJ Osborne in between them um, looks like that's probably only because of the touchdown. But still, uh, Justin Jefferson, eight receptions, 80 yards and a fumble. And then the question needs to be asked here, Pat, if Christian McCaffrey played, would Carolina have won this game? I mean, I think that. That's a guarantee and not like a guarantee that, you know, the game would have went the same way, but I think that any use of Christian McCaffrey in this game would have definitely helped Carolina. Um, Chuba Hubbard stinks and I'm just going to say it and we're just going <laughs> to stop there. Yeah, it's tough. Big, big shoes to fill there. Uh, Christian McCaffrey size 16 shoe. I don't know if that's true. I don't know, that's but right. what's happened to Robbie Anderson this year? Like he's oh just God. gone. Yeah. So I have Robbie Anderson on, on one of my teams here and we, Played him the first two weeks as a starting wide receiver, like two, three, something like that. So we weren't expecting much from him, but he's done absolutely nothing. And then today he catch, he catches a touchdown, his only play of the game. Um, he had 11 targets, only caught three of them. And I didn't look at these targets to see how they were thrown. I don't know if Darnold just threw some bad balls or what, but. He's droppable in my mind. I don't think he's worth rostering. Yeah, I think the same goes for Sam Darnold. I think that we were excited with you know his rushing yards, which he still got forty some yards today, which is pretty good. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I I just feel like he's one of those guys. If the Carolina Panthers are playing like the Texans or the Jets or somebody like that, you should throw him in there. But other than that, it's just like it's too unpredictable. Yeah, he he did not look good at all. I think he completed. Let me just double check. Seventeen passes. Yep, seventeen for forty-one. He just very off his game here. And I mean, Minnesota's defense is is 
I don't know, I'd say maybe middle of the pack, but nothing to warrant just how poorly they did here. And we talked about it last week. I think the Cowboys exposed them and they had a very, very easy first few weeks. And that kind of made everyone believe that they were better than they actually were. Christian McCaffrey injury doesn't help either. No. Uh, Next matchup here, Houston uh, came back to be in Houston. (laughs) They lose three to 31 to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Nothing really to talk about here on the Houston side of the ball. Cooks had a decent game, nine receptions, 89 yards. But everyone else here is a Houston Texan, so we don't care. Uh, Carson Wentz also didn't look good. Uh, So there's that 55 percent completed passes. 11 for 20, 223 uh, passing yards, two touchdowns. But it was all Jonathan Taylor yet again. So Jonathan Taylor, 14 attempts, 145 yards, two touchdowns, one reception for 13 yards. Now, fantasy out of the uh, out of the question here, Pat. Is Jonathan Taylor like a top three running back in the NFL in terms of talent? I'm not necessarily sure, because I think what's confusing to me is that right now we're seeing a team in Indianapolis where Carson only threw the ball 20 times. And like, I think this is what we expect from good running backs when you're blowing the crap out of bad teams is that they get Mm -hmm. a lot of opportunity. And that's what happened today. But like going to his game log, I just I don't know, because he had 53 yards against Baltimore, which is a good defense over 100 against Miami, which they stink. Every time he plays a good defense, it's under 70 yards. So in terms of talent, I mean, to me, talent is nothing if you can't produce anything. Like, I think he's good. Um, Mm -hmm. I would not put him in front of Derrick Henry or McCaffrey or Devin Cook or Nick Chubb. I mean, I think he's in that conversation for like top 10. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. He was my my favorite running back coming out of the draft class. Last year, I just think, you know, maybe he didn't get the best landing spot. That's why people were so high on Clyde. But could you imagine if JT went to uh, Kansas City instead of Clyde? I think he's just a much more. uh, What to call not versatile, but more Mm well-rounded, I think is the better word for him. And, you know, knock on wood here. I think he's much less injury prone um, because he's a bigger guy. But yeah, top of my list in terms of just pure running back talent, Derrick Henry has to be number one. And then I'm very tempted to put Nick Chubb at number two. He, If you watch Nick Chubb just run, it, it's super impressive how he sees the field and can find these openings and just break free. Uh, anyways, the model uh, went one for three here, had Indianapolis to win. That happened. It did pick the over... 43 and a half that did not only 34 points scored here because Houston can't do anything. And then it did pick Houston to cover here at plus 10. Uh, Next matchup here, another another good one and one that cost me the matchup against you in our DFS header head to head of Los Angeles Rams beat the poop out of the crippled New York Giants 38 to 11. Uh, 
this game started with injuries. Kadarius Tony came in, uh, caught three three catches for 36 yards and then got hurt with, I believe, an ankle injury and a, was immediately ruled out. Luckily, Sterling Shepard was there and he was their entire offense. He got 15 targets, 10 receptions, 76 yards. Daniel Jones, I guess you could say he played today. Uh, he threw three interceptions and fumbled. So, uh, not, not great for him. So maybe he should have set out a game, uh, that head injury might be impacting him more than it's letting on or he's letting on. But the other side of the ball, Stafford had a fantastic game, four passing touchdowns, one interception, two of those touchdowns went to Cooper cup, one to Robert Woods and one to, uh, Daryl Henderson, who also rushed one in. So Rams killing it at all offensive positions and defensive positions. Uh, looked fantastic here. Uh, anything else to add here, Pat? I, I think we kind of said it. <laughs> I think John Walford flashed his, you know, playoff quarterback potential. Um, he went over two <laughs> with a pick. He also rushed twice for a negative yard. So if Amazing. Jared Goff was the quarterback, I think that, you know, he probably would have went 0 for 3 and rushed for negative 2 yards. So, that, good for Jared Goffer to get in and, you know, at least give it a shot. Why'd they put him in? Why Just not? They were <laughs> this is like that situation where, like, you're watching the high school basketball game and, like, the water boy or the equipment manager's, like, been on the bench and he, you give him a jersey because you feel bad. And then yeah. you're like, you know, let's send him in there and let him shoot a three and nobody plays defense and he, he makes it right. But that didn't happen for John Wolford. He missed the three attempt. So <laughs> you just you just have to let it happen sometimes and maybe give New York a fighting chance if you throw him in there. OK, it, 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 I wanted to compare it to, uh, you know, in, in middle school when we played football, the last two minutes, they had to make sure everyone played because their parents were there. Hey, my mom liked when I got into those games. <laughs> I'm I'm sure John's did too. Anyways, model nailed it. Three for three. Rams win. Rams cover nine and a half and over 48 and a half. So good job there. Not a great run by Najee there. <laughs> yeah. <you're> like, watching. <laughs> we're watching live. So like right now it's the first quarter and the Steelers offense sucks. I mean, they sort of the three it out oh, and man. it's just like, I don't know. They'll probably score 30 points in the second quarter and then just never score again. That's just how it's going to be. It's a Pittsburgh thing, and it's not just a Steelers thing because the Steelers choose to play one half of football. It's either going to be the first or the second. They don't let you know. And then the Penguins do the same thing, too. You know, they'll play two out of the three periods, and then the Pirates just won't play baseball any inning. Good catch, Deontay. All right. Uh, we have a podcast going on. So uh, the, the Chargers played. I, I don't even want to say they played. They The Chargers got beat up by Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore ends up winning this game. Uh, what was it? 34 to 6. So a big, a big whooping here. And Pat, you and I both were kind of high on the Chargers winning this game. We haven't been impressed with Baltimore in their past games. And the Chargers have looked fantastic. They beat. Kansas City. Baltimore also beat Kansas City. Baltimore beats the Chargers. So football math are the Baltimore Ravens actually better than both Kansas City and Los Angeles. I'm not really sure. I, I I'm really confused because when you look at the box score for Baltimore, 
Lamar Jackson did horrible. Uh-huh. 1927, 167 yards and two interceptions. And then you look at the rushing game. Nobody rushed for over 55 yards. And they just decided to play, you know, like it was like a victory lap for all the old running backs. They let Devontae <laughs> Freeman, Latavius Murray, and Lev Bell all get a touchdown. And yeah. I'm just I'm just confused. Like I, I don't know. I, I feel like Baltimore just is what we talk about, like whenever we say, you know, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a balanced team. Like Baltimore's balanced enough that everybody can suck and they could still score thirty four points and beat the Chargers by twenty eight. Yeah, I I couldn't put my finger on what was wrong with, well, really both of these teams, because I had a lot of pieces in this in my DFS lineups and none of them paid off. Uh, maybe Mark Andrews, I guess. He got five catches, 68 yards and a touchdown. But just all around, even though 34 points were scored by Baltimore, people aren't playing Lev Bell. People aren't playing Devonta Freeman. You know, I have Latavius Murray, but he was on my bench. It it was a, a very strange game to watch. So the model had the Chargers to cover. That didn't happen. They got blown out pretty good. Had Baltimore win. That did happen. And then over 51, only 40 points scored in this one. And a divisional matchup. Uh, Aaron Rodgers continues to be Chicago's worst nightmare. Uh, Pat, did you see that clip of him scoring that touchdown and what he yelled at the fans? I did. And it's if you're on ESPN and you're like in the scores tab, that's like the highlight that they decided to put up. Oh, such a good one. <laughs> so uh, anyways, if, if if you miss it, Aaron Rodgers rushed in a touchdown and then said, all my fucking life, I've owned you. <laughs> so. He uh, is, he was hyped up. Is he the biggest troll in football right now? Ooh, I probably. think he might be. Like, imagine, yeah. you know, I've seen him on Pat McAfee, and we've seen him do some of these interviews. Remember when he went to? Uh, I think it was like a NASCAR. It was the Kentucky Derby or something like that, and he had Turd Ferguson written on his name tag. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not sure what's going on with him, but I think he's taking it to a next level of being a troll. Yeah, I I respect it a lot. I think uh, I know a lot of people hate him. Like uh, they'll say like, oh, he's an asshole. You know, he disconnected with his family and all that. I'm like, well, I mean, you don't know who they were. They they might have been assholes. You know, there's maybe a reason he did that. But people really don't like Aaron Rodgers. I think he's funny. He's he's here for the you know, he only has a few years left. Maybe I don't think he's going to Tom Brady it. He's going to do whatever he wants. Good for him. Anyways, Rogers here. Rushed in a touchdown. Passed for two more. Uh, Aaron Jones got a receiving touchdown. Rushed for 76 yards. A.J. Dillon had a good rushing game as well. Maybe not a great fantasy game, but uh, rushed 11 times for 59 yards. He He's a fantastic pure runner. And then... Uh, Bit of disappointment here from Devontae Adams. He should have had that touchdown, barely stepped out of bounds, only ends up with four receptions for 89 yards. And I apologize. That's probably my fault because I just traded for him. So I apologize. Backup running back for the, the Bears looked really good. Khalil Herbert ends up with 97 rush yards, one rushing touchdown, two receptions for 15 yards. 
And then Justin Fields still continues to be poop as to, I don't know, maybe people's surprise, not to my surprise, because he's from Ohio State. Ohio State quarterbacks don't do well in the NFL. I'll, I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> uh, model here went two for three. Hit under 44, only 38 points were scored. Green Bay to win. And then it missed on Chicago plus five. Had a little bit too much faith here in the Bears. Next matchup, Pat won. You and I both called really early. So this game felt cursed to begin with, with all the injuries that were happening coming in. Um, You know, Chubb gets rolled out. Uh, I think there was worry about Odell coming into this. Uh, Kareem had a snap count. That's what happened with him. Well, there you go. So he was on a snap count. So people. So I guess I want to start with that question. Kareem Hunt, he always performs better with Nick Chubb there. Is Hunt not a, you know, starting running back? Like, is the talent there? What's the problem? Why can't he do it all on his own? Can we just blame it on injury this time? I'm not really sure. I I think, when you know, when he was in Kansas City, I don't think we had that assumption about him. I think that. Maybe the assumption that defenses have when he's in there is that he's going to be the passing down back. And then uh-huh. when you don't have the opportunity to use Nick Chubb as the primary runner and you try to force Kareem Hunt to do sort of like everything, I don't think that's sort of, you know, his best talent. I think he's more of like passing pass catcher out the back. And I think teams know that he's not as strong of an uphill runner as Nick Chubb is. So I don't necessarily think it's his fault. I think it's more of the system that they're in isn't designed for him to flourish outside of his current role where he's, you know, the pass catching running back. Yeah, he might be kicking himself for not doing better or someone else. Uh, Kyler Murray had a great day. 233 yards passing, four passing touchdowns. Only seven rush attempts for six yards here. So is Kyler becoming more of a, a pocket passer and not relying as much on his rushing or did he just not need to this game? I got the vibe that he didn't need to this game. Um, I think that Cleveland's front seven is really good. You know, we know miles Garrett is realistically in the running for defensive player of the year right now. Um, I think that Kyler, as he's developing as a quarterback is starting to realize that he has the weapons now that he doesn't have to scramble and make plays happen. Um, it, and for some reason, you know, Chase Edmonds isn't really helping him in the running game, but James Connors kind of filled that role. So, like, at least for the time being, Arizona has two decent running backs that can kind of take some of that pressure off of Kyler to be responsible for rushing the ball. But when you have the opportunity to have four good wide receivers, um, and every week one of them has a better game, like A.J. Green was the Hawkeye today, and so was Christian Kirk. He was right there with him, but when your star receiver like doesn't need to be the best player on the team and still get two touchdowns. Like to me, that just shows you have a very balanced offense and that provides a lot of opportunity for Kyler to be comfortable in the pocket. Um, so like you said, I, I don't think he necessarily needed to. I just got super confused here. So uh, there's a bug here on fantasy pros where on the Arizona team, it has Zach Ertz four receptions, 29 yards and a touchdown. I'm like, wait a minute. He can't play for Arizona. He didn't play for them. What are you talking about? Those are his stats from Thursday night. It just shows him as a Cardinal here. So that really confused me. I thought they did some illegal illegal stuff here, and they were going to get in some trouble. So other side of the ball, we 
kind of touched upon it. Baker looked bad, fumbled twice, one interception. Cream Hunt, like you said, snap count really didn't do much. He got injured again, could not put weight on his leg. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones is apparently the wide receiver one there in Cleveland. Uh, four receptions, 101 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Ninjoku back to being irrelevant. Uh, you know, Pat, we talked about Cleveland maybe making a run for uh divisional winner for the AFC North. Are they out of that conversation? I, I think if Kareem Hunt is out for an extended period of time, which he has a calf injury and I'm not really sure how bad it is. They haven't really released anything. Um, so to me, I, I think it depends on that. If Nick Chubb comes back next week, um, you know, that sucks. Kareem Hunt may not be available, but I think Kareem Hunt's definitely not the best of the two running backs. Um, in reality, outside of fantasy, he is. But I, I think that Cleveland has an opportunity to sort of rally around these people. Um, you, like you just said, Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's the number one wide receiver. We know that's not true. We know that he really should be the number three or four, um, and Odell should be number one. So I, I think Cleveland right now is in a crucial point where they need to figure out how to get their star players back to being star players. Yeah, fair enough. And if... Cincinnati keeps winning. <laughs> it could be Cleveland and the Steelers at the bottom two of this division. Oh, boy. Anyways, Pat, we, we hit on this bet. We're happy there. As for the model, the model also hit all three of them. Arizona the win, cover, and then over 48 and a half points. Another matchup here, and uh, I, I didn't actually take this bet, but I'm very happy. I, I called it out last week. It's on record. You can listen to it. I did it. I said Las Vegas was going to win this game, and Las Vegas came in without Gruden, showed that he was the ones holding them back, and they end up winning this game 34-24 to against Denver. Um, Derek Carr, I can't give him any of the credit. He didn't look great. He passed for two touchdowns, sure, but he, he just did not look good. Um, Kenyon Drake <laughs> had a fantastic day. 34 rush yards, one rush touchdown. And then another 39 receiving for a touchdown. Josh Jacobs, also pretty good. 55 rushing, one rush touchdown, and then one big reception for 29 yards. Henry Ruggs doing what he was drafted to do. Uh, Three receptions. So, of course, they were all for a lot of yards because that's what he does. 97 yards and a touchdown for him. And then Waller, kind of somewhat quiet, I guess, in comparison. Uh, five targets, five receptions, 59 yards. The other side of the ball, it was all Cortland Sutton. He had eight receptions, one touchdown. Tim Patrick I, had a touchdown as well, but only 42 yards here. It was uh, really Noah Fant and Cort- Cortland Sutton in this game. Uh, Pat, but I know you're kind of disdain for Noah Fant. I think that, you know, I would like to enjoy him as a tight end. I think that he has the athletic capability to be in the top five in terms of tight end in fantasy, but he's just always hurt. And like, until that changes, I'm hesitant to go around him. Um, but I, I don't like that. You disrespected Tim Patrick. I made a comment earlier when we were doing our DFS lineups. I said, he's always good for a touchdown and you know that I'm right. So don't diss him. He doesn't need a hundred yards. He's just going to get his one touchdown every week. Hey, get a touchdown. Take a seat. Anyways, model here, 0 for 3, had Denver to win, Denver to cover 3.5, and, and then under 45 points. This, 
I, yeah, I Pat, we had this bet as well for the under 45. I thought this was going to be a more defensive battle here, but 58 points end up being scored. Then our final matchup here, and one that made me poop myself multiple times because this is another team that is very difficult to predict, and that is New England. Uh, their games are either super close with very bad teams or uh, super close with very good teams. So really, it is, uh, I don't know who keeps them in the game. If it's their defense, that's good. If it's their offense, I want to say it's their defense because their offense doesn't really seem to be that impressive. You know, Mac Jones is okay. Threw for two touchdowns here. Um, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson also had decent uh, fantasy production. But Kendrick born ends up as the wide receiver one in this situation and he only got one catch for 75 yards in the touchdown their only receiver uh not including the tight ends that got a touchdown so what do you make of the patriots now pat are they still good is it is it belichick's mind that keeps them in these games or do they actually have you know more talent than i think I think in reality, Mac Jones is starting to show that he's a very good quarterback in terms of, you know, he's going to keep you in the game. Um, Damian Harris has been very hit or miss all year um, in terms of, you know, his fantasy relevance. And in terms of the wide receivers, I'm just kind of confused. Like you said, Kendrick Bourne is the number one because he had a, a deep bomb touchdown. But like, it just nothing is going for New England's offense. But for some reason, their defense allows for them to be relevant and I just think there's something going on in New England and we've all known that it's existed where they can kind of have a ragtag roster of a bunch of guys that you may not know exists, but they're somehow really good. And I think that it's a system thing and Mac Jones fits it really well in terms of the fact that he doesn't have to be dominant to at least make the Patriots relevant in a game. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fair. Uh, this game came down to the wire. They went to to overtime Dallas brought it back. Uh, Dak Prescott, 36 for 51, 445 pass yards for three touchdowns, one interception, and he also had a fumble here. Uh, Zeke, still being Zeke, six, uh, 17 rush attempts for 69 yards. And then he, this is big here, seven receptions for 50 yards. So he's getting, he seems to be starting to take that passing work away from Tony Pollard. So, you know, People were worried worried about Tony Pollard early in the season. They didn't need to be all that allowed to happen was for Zeke's price tag to come down and people to trade low for him. And speaking of trading low, I traded Amari Cooper for CD Lamb straight up, and that worked out perfectly. <laughs> so CD Lamb got 149 receiving yards for two touchdowns, 36.1 points. And Pat, I think that's going to let me beat you in fantasy this this week uh, in both leagues. Yeah, I think it might, and uh, it really makes me upset. But to deflect from me probably losing in fantasy, um, I would like to, you know, bring back up to you the prediction that I made earlier this week um, with a specific person named Diggs getting a pick six on Mac Jones. I, I just, I'm not sure what it is, but for some reason, Trevon Diggs, like, should he not be defensive player of the year? I know I mentioned Miles Garrett looks legit, but I, I, I don't know who has been more dominant on defense in terms of changing the game. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. Those Diggs boys, they, they got hands. 
Um, and I don't know if you watched Hard Knocks this this, uh, this year, but uh, he was an awesome guy to to listen to. He would uh, FaceTime and call Stefan Diggs, you know, from the Buffalo receiver, and they would just chat. And the way they talk about football, they're obviously not just talented physically, but mentally. They just understand the game. And I, I've always thought that defensive players have to be more mentally there to kind of predict where these balls go and everything. And he's, he's incredible. Um, thoughts of him for defensive player of the year. I think it's possible. Um, I think right now he looks like the number one in terms of the fact that he's just doing absurd things, you know, defensively, but it needs to be the entire season. I think where he's going to struggle is, you know, if Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald continue to be dominant throughout the whole season. And if he stops getting interceptions, I think if he stops getting interceptions, he's not going to stand a chance. I think that, you know, sacks for some reason are really like the, the hot, you know, stat in terms of people who do voting. Yeah, exactly. That I was going to say that because in the past, it's almost always been a linebacker, edge rusher, defensive lineman. It's very rarely someone in the secondary or, you know, cornerback. But as far as the model goes for the pick, uh, Pat, I know you and I hit the pick the under here. That did not happen. Model also picked the under 50 and a half points. And let's see here, 44, 60, 64 points were scored. I think that's the most for the week. Yeah. Yeah. So this was somehow the highest scoring game of the week. Uh, Model had Dallas to win, Dallas to cover. Both of those happened. So like we said, only two games left. Pittsburgh and Seattle is going on right now. Najee Harris just scored on a passing touchdown from Ben. So let's go Steelers. Um, Looking looking good so far. And then tomorrow's game on Monday night, Buffalo taking on Tennessee. If Man, Pat, is this even going to be a contest tomorrow? No, I, I don't want to say that because every time I've said it was going to be a blowout and the two games I picked this week were going to be Dallas to blow out New England and the Broncos to blow out the Raiders. Uh, I have been wrong. So I'm going to say this is going to be a very close game. Josh Allen's going to do horribly and it's going to go down to the wire. So go Bills. That's right. Uh, Bills Mafia, I want to see some tables get broken. That's going to do it for this uh episode we're gonna come back on wednesday with the machine learning model picks and if you want to check us out we're everywhere everywhere on social media sleepingwiththenumbers.com uh swtn underscore podcast on twitter sleeping with the numbers on instagram tiktok uh that it's it's pretty easy to find us if you want to chat with us you know shoot us a message there if you have fancy questions betting questions you know we are available to talk in any of those outlets you can also find all of our bets. Uh, Pat is at Pat Fox on Action Network. I am at Fantasy, P-Y-A-N-T-A-S-Y. Our machine learning model is uh, SWTN underscore ML underscore model. And then finally, the podcast picks is at uh, SWTN underscore podcast. Also want to remind you, if you're looking to do some prop bets the easy way, Monkey Knife Fight is the way to go. And if you use our link, sign up on your first deposit, you get your money matched instantly up to $100. So if you want to play uh, hockey's back, if you want to play some NHL hockey, do some prop bets for that. You deposit your money and they'll match it instantly. So if you deposit 25 bucks, you now have 50 bucks to play on NHL, NFL, UFC, any 
any sport, you name it, go play it on Monkey Knife Fight using our link below. Yeah, and also want to remind you about BarkBox. Uh, if you click our link, you get a free month. Um, like I told you, we get that from my dog, and we have a super chewer box that's scheduled to show up next week, so hopefully I can post some videos about that. But BarkBox is great. Um, you get a variety of toys and treats, and you know for the price, it, it sounds expensive, but if anyone has a pet, you know how often you have to go to the store to buy chews, to buy toys, and eventually it adds up. So why not provide that money to a company that's going to give you something that's going to last forever? I don't think I've had a toy from BarkBox that has died, if you want to call it that. Um, so we've been really happy with what we've gotten. and. Uh, hopefully I can share more of that with you guys. So, you know, you'll be ex- excited to try BarkBox as I've been. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, our dogs, check out our puppy picks. We still do, do those weekly on TikTok and on YouTube. We have the YouTube shorts and, uh, they're better at picking these games than we are, Pat. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure Scout's only lost two games on the year, which is pretty remarkable being the fact that I don't know if she knows what she's picking, but it just, it works out. So if I was a betting man, I would just follow the dogs. That'll do it. We will see you next time.